Hello, 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 and welcome to the Lynn Woods Gospel Entertainment Podcast, where we talk to inspire. Please like, comment, follow, subscribe, and you can download for free, and that way you'll never ever miss an episode of this uplifting, inspiring, and encouraging show. My guest today is Abdul Dasanmu. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. <laughs> he is the founder and strategist of Young Black Lawyers Coalition and a Dallas site and former Obama administration appointee. I'm trying to get all this in, folks. <laughs> as, as some of you would say, he is a civil rights activist for the next generation because I've heard that said about him. So, Abdul, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's, a, it's an honor to be here, and thank you for uh, the important work that you do to help uh, get the word out about critical issues in our community. Oh, you're welcome, especially like our faith-based community, and that's a huge community when you look at, especially when you look at African Americans, or even like with uh, black and brown, African Americans, Latino, faith-based communities. Absolutely, and you know, uh, there's no question that the faith community, particularly the black faith community, um, has been uh, the heart and soul of civil rights activism in this country um, forever. Uh, and so uh, we absolutely center uh, the faith community in our work, uh, and we consider it an important part of uh, really helping to protect and empower black voters in this, in this critical moment. Yes, and then you, you said uh, something about like uh, the civil rights era, and that's where a lot of our strategizing took place in during the civil rights era in the churches, right? That's right. That's right. I mean, I am right now because we are trying to anchor our work in a historical understanding. I'm uh, reading a lot of uh, works on King. Right. And I'm reading mm -hmm. about the Southern Christian Leadership Conference and really going in depth on the ways in which the black church in particular served as an incubator, not only of uh, civil rights talent, but served as a space for civil rights strategizing, served as a meeting place when we couldn't meet anywhere else. Uh, they hosted the mass meetings in the black church. Um, and so it's important for us to acknowledge and celebrate uh, that historical legacy, even as uh, we understand that the black church has changed. Mm -hmm. There are different dynamics, but it's important for us to call the black church into that role once again, because we are facing uh, a critical attack on black voting rights and black civil rights writ large. And we need the black church and the entire faith community uh, to stand up and step up uh, and really serve uh, as a um, as a voice for justice in the world. Amen to that. Gotta say amen. Okay. But before we get into some more details, there are a lot of interesting things that are happening in your home state right now. But first, I want to backtrack a little bit about you. And we talked off mic and we talked about how you grew up a part of the faith-based community, the, the African-American church. And how did any of that of your growing up set you up to want to be a leader and become a lawyer and get involved with today's civil rights um, and politics and your organization? Well, you know, that's a great question because uh, in short, um, uh, the more I, I do and the more I reflect on my childhood, the more I realize that uh, I, I pretty much didn't have a choice um, in the matter. I, my life was, was 
uh, ordered. My steps were ordered in such a way that this this has been my destiny really from day one, and I'm I'm honored by that and humbled by that. So I grew up in a very civically active family uh, in Dallas, Texas, uh, in Southern Dallas, uh, which is an historically African-American community. And my family owned a restaurant, believe it or not, hmm. uh, for about 50 years, um, a seafood restaurant. And it was one of those establishments that was the heart and soul of the community, a community gathering spot, a hub for the community, the sort of place where the civil rights leaders gathered to, to kind of work through the plans and meet and strategize. And so uh, I grew up in a business uh, family that understood the value of civic engagement and political engagement. I grew up listening to the conversations of political debate and civic debate. And what became very clear to me at an early age is that this is something that's important. I didn't always understand it, mm-hmm. um, but I knew that it was critical and that it was vital uh, to the health of our communities. And then you layer on top of that that a big part of our clientele was the Black church. And uh, my grandmother, my late grandmother, who was our matriarch and who owned the business, um, was a you know stalwart member of uh, the Black church community and was a longtime partner to many of its leaders. And so, you know, that really anchored me again in an understanding of the power of the Black faith community, the power of the Black church as an incubator of social change. So you put those two things together. And as I said, you know, my destiny was ordered. Uh, my steps have been ordered uh, to this moment. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things that evolved over time. You know, I knew that I wanted to do something in public life. Um, I knew that I wanted to serve. Uh, I knew that I wanted to help make real people's lives better. But I didn't always know what that looked like for me. And so over the course of time, uh, through internship opportunities and jobs and activism in the community and, and civic organizing, my path led to this point. And I like to say that I'm fortunate because I'm able to bring to bear on the work that I do all of the lived experiences, the diverse lived experiences that I've had, everything from growing up in that restaurant and listening to those conversations, uh, you know, watching our family hire people who, you know, were returning citizens um, and needed uh, opportunities, hire disconnected youth. Growing up in that environment helped shape my understanding of what the needs are in our communities uh, and the power of civic engagement as a tool to address those needs. And then going on to the Obama administration later after college uh, and seeing the role of policy and really shaping the lived experiences of people on the ground. And then eventually going to law school. And while in law school, I had the vision for the Young Black Lawyers Organizing Coalition to serve as a platform for us as young black lawyers and law students to actually take all that we were learning, to take all of the the experiences that we were having and put them to use on behalf of our communities. So it's been a it's been an interesting trajectory for me uh, that has drawn on a number of diverse experiences. Mm-hmm. And I believe God has ordered every single one of those. Well, it certainly does uh, sound that way. And Oftentimes, we don't really pay attention when we're in the middle of it and you're growing up and you may be a kid working in the restaurant going, oh, Lord, why am I having to do this? And why are those old folks over there talking about that? Right, right. That's exactly how it felt. That's exactly how it felt at the time, I'll tell you. And it's only now in retrospect 
that I'm able to look back and see, hmm, that was God planting a seed mm -hmm. um, uh, inside of me about the work that I was supposed to do later on. And one of the reasons, as we talked offline, one of the reasons our work as an organization centers the faith community so much, again, is because I saw the power of the faith community from a young age. And so uh, it all it all works together for our good. Now, I understand that one of the things that you focus on is voter fraud. And there's been, a, oh, my gosh, <laughs> especially in the past, since that 2020 election in particular, but even farther back than that, there has been all of this discussion about voter fraud. What is voter fraud? Who's doing it? And then the motives behind the folks that are pressing to find out, uh, to say that there, that voter fraud is happening in our elections. One party pursuing it more so than the other. Uh, how is your organization involved in the fight against voter fraud? Or really yours is against voter suppression. Am, am I correct? That's correct. So our fight is against voter suppression. And, and really, you know, what's important for folks to understand is that voter fraud almost does not exist. I mean, it, it, and that is that is a strong statement, but we had one of the most secure elections on record in 2020. Um, and yet people have uh, leveraged false allegations of voter fraud in an attempt to make it harder for people to vote as a pretext to make it harder for people to vote. And, and one of the things that we share with our our audiences when we present on voter suppression and how uh, black communities can resist and overcome voter suppression is that the voter suppression that we're seeing today is not new. Mm -hmm. um, there's a pattern and a historical uh, reality to it. I like to say that the, the players have changed and the times have changed, but the game really is the same. Um, and it's been that way from the beginning of American democracy, sadly. And so when you look at, you know, the post-Reconstruction era, uh, what you see um, are Black voters making tremendous strides in that in those immediate few years after Reconstruction. We see Black people being elected to state legislatures, helping to write Reconstruction-era constitution. We see even some Black senators um, in the in in the United States Congress mm -hmm. um, during that era, we see black voters approaching parity with white voters in some key uh, counties and jurisdictions around the country. And it is in direct reaction to that as an attempt to stifle that that we start to see the enactment of. Uh, voter suppression laws and policies that we start to see the enactment of things like the whites only primary in Texas, for instance. Uh -huh. And the point that I want to make is that the pretext that was used then as a justification for those voter suppression laws was fighting voter fraud. So the same themes that we're seeing today, we saw then. Right. Um, right. So it's important for us to be able to really deconstruct uh, what we are experiencing right now and to understand that it's not new. There are some new players in the game, but the game is pretty much still the same. And so our fight is really to educate people about what voter suppression looks like, about the history of it, about the contemporary reality of it, and about how they can resist and overcome it to make sure that their vote is cast and counted. Because in a democracy, uh, one of the languages of our democracy is the vote. Mm 
And if we don't have a democracy that invites everybody to participate freely and fully, we don't have a democracy at all. That is so, so true. And it's interesting, you went way, way back to the founding of this country uh, and talking about voter, voter suppression. And the Reconstruction era was really an interesting time. We had certain rights for, for, I would say, for a minute. And then the majority was like, hold up, wait a minute. We're losing something here. We may be losing power and they're gaining. We got to block them and we got to stop that right now. And it's, you're right, it's still going on to this day, which is so, so sad. But yeah, you have, you have these young folks uh, in your organization. uh, And it's an example of how young people uh, can participate in the democratic process. So tell me about your young folks in the organization and what they are doing and what is the uh, and what what they're doing right now and what are the future goals of your organization. Absolutely. Uh, well, we really do take our cues from previous generations. You know, we it's it's funny because I think people look at uh, they listen to folks like Dr. King and they they, they, you know, look at the uh, historical impact of, of a John Lewis and a Diane Nash and a Marion Wright Edelman, and they sometimes forget that they were young people when they were changing the world. And uh, so we really are taking uh, our cues from them. We draw our inspiration from them as young people in the movement, saying that uh, we have a contribution to make, and that contribution is going to be to change this country. So what we did was we put together a an organization for young Black lawyers and law students. And our goal really is to serve as a civic organizing platform for young black people, a civic organizing platform for these young black lawyers and law students to be able to do a couple of things. Number one, uh, leverage the power of civic education to build power for black communities. Um, And that civic education piece is very important. You know, I was talking to someone uh, uh, just last week who uh, is an elder and, and he was sharing that you know, when he was coming through school, coming up, uh, there were civics classes, right, that taught yeah. you how to be a good citizen. They did um, have that taught you. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. That taught you how to vote. That taught you how to be part of your democracy. And we don't have that today. We've had an entire generation grow up without that. And so when we start to talk about the kinds of civic apathy that we see, I often get asked, why don't young people participate in the process more? (laughs) Um, Part of that answer, part of it, not all of it, but part of it is that we don't cultivate that civic uh, ethos. We don't cultivate that civic muscle um, in young people anymore by teaching them how to be involved in the civic life of this country. Um, And so um, that's part of the work that we're doing is leveraging the power of civic education uh, to really help build power for our communities, um, to really help people understand what our democracy is about, what voting is about, why it's important that you vote not just in the presidential election, but in every election, why it's important that you know not only who the president is, but that you know who your local county judges are, and that you know who your city councilmen are, and that you know who 
your school board members are. Um, doing that civic education work to really help build power is part of our mission. The other part of our mission focuses specifically on these young black lawyers and law students because these are young black lawyers and law students who have a lot to offer, but if they're not given the opportunity, if they're not given the pipelines and the platforms to really develop as civic leaders, then they won't get those ultimately uh, the opportunity to serve in our democracy. And so what we're trying to do is really create a platform for uh, these young black lawyers and law students to grow as civic leaders and to grow as civic leaders not simply because, oh, I want to have a title or I want to be in a particular role, but because they are anchored and rooted in our communities. They understand what the needs are in our communities and their mission is to serve our communities. And so we really have a twofold mission. It's civic education mm -hmm. and then it's civic leadership. And that is all coming together, converging in this moment that we're in right now, because our focus right now is voting rights and voter protection. And what we're doing right now, uh, as we head toward the November election, is we are mobilizing some 300 black lawyers and law students to go into black communities, black churches, black fraternities and sororities, uh, black small businesses, uh, black uh, social non social service nonprofits and other groups, senior citizen homes, um, to really educate voters about what they need to know to protect their right to vote in a landscape where we have seen some 400 voter suppression bills proposed over the last two years, and some 33 of those bills become law. And so we're going in and talking to voters about the five steps that they can take in each state to protect their right to vote, to make sure that their vote is successfully cast and counted. And so that's the core work that we're doing right now. But here's what's interesting about it. We actually, mm -hmm. just this past weekend in Atlanta, and we're going to do it again in just a couple days in Raleigh-Durham, and again next week in Dallas, Texas, we are hosting cohort uh, freedom treks for Black law students. So this past weekend, we uh, fully funded some 26 Black law students from NYU School of Law to travel down to Atlanta to do this civic education work, this voter education work in black churches and black community organizations. So they were there from Sunday, from Friday, I'm sorry, to Sunday. And they went all across the Atlanta metro area, spreading the word about how voters can protect their right to vote. And we're going to do the same thing this coming weekend in Raleigh-Durham with students from Howard University School of Law, as well as North Carolina Central University School of Law, two HBCUs that will be working with in North Carolina to get the word out. And then we have the same thing happening the following weekend in Texas. And, and so that's how we're really kind of stitching these twin purposes together. They're mm -hmm. in the community, they're doing the civic education, but they're also on these freedom tracks, getting lived experiences, being rooted in our communities, learning from the leaders who have gone before them, and really developing a sense of service to our communities. And it does, you all are really doing that old school civil rights uh, movement blueprint. So, and, and I, I love the fact that you are utilizing that, plus incorporating what you know now in the modern way of doing things to move this generation uh, ahead, this generation of voters ahead. So that's right. 
How does one get in touch with you and, and your organization to participate or become a part of? How, do, how, do one, how does one reach you? Excellent, excellent. So if someone's interested, and really anybody, if you are a young black lawyer or law student and you want to sign up to be one of our members, to be part of our movement, if you are a community uh, institution, you're a pastor, you are a the lay leader, you are a uh, business owner, your fraternity or sorority uh, uh, leader, and you want us to come and speak to you, or if you're just somebody who wants to support our work generally, you want to maybe financially support it or support it as a volunteer, um, however you want to support us, you can go to our website at yblock.org. That's Y-B-L-O-C dot org and everything you need to plug into our movement is right there on the website you can also follow us at young black blk young black lawyers on all social media platforms well abdul i want to thank you so so much for joining us today and educating us on your organization and what it is that you do and how important it is for our political uh, survival in this country and, and for our people in general. And voting, right. is, voting is very, very important. And we have had so many that have deemed it unimportant. It doesn't affect me. And yes, it does on all levels. Oh, absolutely. In every way. Oh, right then. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you again so much. We really, really really do appreciate you taking the time to explain all of that educating us today <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure and thank you audience for joining us today make sure that you hit that subscribe button right now so that you never miss an episode of this uplifting podcast you're also welcome to donate by hitting the donate button now to reach me you want to connect you can find me on twitter that's at l-i-n-w-o-o-d-s lynn woods or instagram at lynn woods 96 this has been the lynn woods gospel entertainment podcast where we talk to inspire god bless